Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, Masked Llama, Ozzy Garcia, Keith Gasper, and Mera. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the 100th episode of Retro Hangover. and classic gamers welcome to the podcast where we are answering amnesia at altitudes already asked this is the 100th episode of retro hangover i am your co-host chris copleen and i am joined as always by your host shane already uncomfortable dick dragon koski why am I uncomfortable? Are we are we expecting some like very deep personal questions on this episode? Is that, is that what it is? Or is it mostly just <sighs> Adam? I'm just going to go ahead and call him out immediately. <laughs> it's mostly just him. OK, no, that's, uh, and we that's will fair. <laughs> we will get to those mm-hmm. uh, because this episode, if you've actually hung out to the end of our previous two episodes, you'll known that we have you know, are doing an ask me anything for this. That's right. I don't know how many people actually stayed till the end of our episodes, but we did get some questions. So that is good. Uh, They all came from the discord. So shout out to our discord. Thank you. Thank you for providing the questions for this episode. We're going to have some real fun ones and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I actually, in, in all honesty, we got more questions than I thought we were going to get. So thank you to everybody that submitted your questions. We very much appreciate it. I mean, honestly, if it weren't for all of you, well, from a purely functional standpoint, we wouldn't be doing this episode because we wouldn't have any fucking questions. But uh, just in a more general sense, we would not even be here talking about our 100th episode uh, if it weren't for all of your support. That's uh, that's crazy, you know, and I know, you know, without going too far down into the weeds on that or anything that it's it's really easy to get jaded right and kind of like numb to content producers when they say shit like you know oh we we can't do this without you and you're the listeners and the the viewers oh my god it's all about you or whatever because you hear that all the time but for what it's worth we we do genuinely mean that i don't i don't think uh either one of us thought we were going to be doing this for this long and and have as many fantastic uh listeners and dare i say fans uh as we do so so thank you yeah doing this for 100 episodes this being the 100th it's it's very surreal it is it's nuts like shane said i don't think we would have made it here to 100 you know starting this all the way back like it was just kind of something we did for fun and i'm not i'm not i'm gonna sit here and i'm not gonna say we wouldn't be doing this 
uh, without you because we might be. But I will say this, you listeners out there that are listening to the show and are in our community and everything like that, you make it a hell of a lot more fun than when we had no idea whether or not anyone was listening to the show. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you for for listening to this dumb little show of ours. We we really do appreciate it. Uh, should we? I think we should talk about what we're playing, even though it's going to be a little bit confusing. You know, I'll say why. Well, I'll just put it out there. We recorded episode one hundred and one before we recorded this episode. Yes. So just know that before we kind of go into the games we've been playing, um, it's it might be a little confusing. I'll try to keep it basic. But uh, how about you, Shane? What have you been getting into? <laughs> I feel like the answer to that question hasn't really changed all that much. Um, it's, <laughs> or I mean, it won't change next time. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> what I'm saying now will be the same as the episode that's definitely in the future that we haven't already <laughs> recorded. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of Diablo too. I'm, I'm not even going to lie about that. Shocker. Uh, with, with the release of resurrected, that's pretty much all I've been playing and I'm okay with that. I'm sure that no one is going to be surprised by this, but it's something that will definitely come up again in this episode mm-hmm. as when we start getting into the questions, but suffice to say, um, Di- Diablo two getting an HD remaster basically means that I am now guaranteed to play that game probably forever. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty much for me and trying to play dragon guard and realizing that apparently it's not a good game. So that was kind of disappointing, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think I told you it wasn't good before you played it. I, I, you know, I don't think you did. Uh, actually I was under the impression that it was going to be some amazing experience having just finished near and, uh, gotta be honest, little, little underwhelmed to oh. to say the least but i i mean hey if for nothing else right that means that now i can finally get around to popping in skies of arcadia and then i can maybe Hell get that yeah. back to you someday so yeah that one i actually do want back yeah i, I figured yeah. <laughs> yeah but speaking of skies of arcadia and diablo 2 those are two games that are in our king of games 2000 episodes that they we did are. with the region free gamers podcast and those at the current moment are exclusively on Patreon to everyone that is a Patreon subscriber. And that goes whether or not you're a subscriber of us or uh, of the region free gamers. So even at the lowest tier, $1 a month gets you in to listen to these episodes early. You'll get the entirety of the series before they go out to everybody else. So if you're interested in that, go ahead, swing by ours or the region free gamers, Patreon and uh, take a look and see if that's something that you're interested in. Absolutely. As far as what I'm playing, it's not a game that was released in the year 2000. It uh, is Final Fantasy One Pixel Remastered. It was released in 2021. Mm. Uh, so uh, next week I'll be talking about Final Fantasy Two, and uh, I I did get done I did get done with that. But just pretend I didn't next week, and I'll get done with that. Well, not next week, but the week after that. And well, it is next week. Well, shit, I'm just confusing everything. I'm fantastic. But right now, <laughs> this I'm is what playing... happens when we release things outside of our normal schedule. We, we, we I... don't know what's going on. You keep trying to tell me this and I just won't listen. <laughs> so Final Final Fantasy one is what I'm playing right now. Uh, you know, these picks remasters are really weird. Like the soundtrack is is so good. But it just seems like the difficulty balance is all out of whack. So like Final Fantasy one, I'm starting it up. And all the magic system, which was changed for the PSP and GBA remakes, where they 
you know, gave you magic points as opposed to magic slots. Mm-hmm. Well, now they went back to magic slots. Mm. So I don't like that. That's not cool. Yeah, but at the same time, you can buy ethers for 150 gold a piece. And ethers will like give a additional charge to each level of your spell slot. So if you buy 99 ethers, essentially you have you know, 99 spell castings. Great. It's just, it's, I don't know, the balance, the difficulty balance is all out of whack. Some things are just, they feel harder and some things feel way easier. It's, and, but the music is good. The graphically, it looks fine. I can't complain with the way it controls because you can move diagonally, which I actually really like, which I know sounds like a really small feature, but it's super cool. And uh, you can dash, but you've been able to do that forever. But um, I don't know. It, it's good, but I just I don't know if I like it. I, I would say early review for, for both Final Fantasy 1 and 2, play, it, play Dawn of Souls for the GBA. I think that's the better game, but I know a lot of people don't have access to that, at least legally. So, I mean, it is the best version that you can currently purchase, I guess. It's not bad, but it is frustrating. I guess it makes you wonder if they like did proper balance testing when they make these changes, because I mean, like things like that, uh, you know, sounds like there's a very precarious sort of balance with the difficulty. And if you go and just make what seems like a minor tweak like that of just like, well, this magic slot thing sucks. So let's just let them buy ethers or whatever. Like, I feel like there are deeper ramifications to those kinds of gameplay changes that maybe weren't fully considered. But there's also the way I think about it. Actually, there's another thing that I started thinking about when I started saying that. But another thing I think about is I'm conditioned for when these games were balls hard. Right. So when I play these games, I go in with the expectation I have to grind or I have to perform certain actions that may not be necessary in modern iterations because they have reduced the difficulty so much. Sure. So like with with Final Fantasy one, I find myself grinding for gold a lot and trying to get the best equipment in every single town I go to, which is something you still you know probably should do. But grinding for gold just takes forever. And then I went to a cave, the Marsh Cave, which is one of the earlier caves in the dungeon in the Elf Kingdom. And I really didn't have any issues with it, which I typically do. And was it because I was overleveled? I don't know, because when I go to the towns, I still can't afford all the best equipment. So I it's I don't know if it's a pacing thing, an experience thing. It's it's a mystery to me. But then with like Final Fantasy two grinding in that game is, of course, a lot different. It's more like the saga series where you gain uh, you gain hit points and magic points and and was it stats based off your actions in battle and i'm like op all the time in that game except my skill levels won't level up because i'm so further advanced than the enemies i'm fighting that sword levels won't go up and spell levels won't go up because i'm already too powerful and so it's a really weird balancing thing in that game that i'm just completely not used to i think it's because i am engineered to treat the game like it's going to murder me yeah no, that that makes sense. So I don't know. Uh, I still think it's worth the purchase uh, just for the soundtrack alone. I'm very curious to see how Final Fantasy four is going to be. But uh, with the lower difficulty, I'm quite anxious to play three. And I'll say this again next week. Play fucking Final Fantasy two. Just do it. Just fucking do it. <laughs> I'll say it again. You'll hear it again. Well, I, I suppose uh, we're we're at the point now where, you know, were this just a run of the mill episode, we'd start talking about the the brief history. But we're not doing that today. So instead, as uh, as the title might imply, 
we are doing the the reddit thing this i think it started with reddit maybe it was dig i don't know but anyway uh the ama the the ask me anything or in our case the ask us anything and we have a full list of questions here that we are just going to kind of go through and um kind of i guess go back and forth and just kind of discuss our answers and as we said all of these were submitted by you know listeners like you so take that for what you will <laughs> uh i don't know chris do you, would you would you like to start us off all right so our first question our very very first question was was an interesting one was not one i was expecting and it comes from the do I want to call him the father or the creator of the Dick Dragon? He has like a KJ Inafune relationship with Dick Dragon. <laughs> the progenitor. <laughs> he he made he made Gorp come to life. It is in our Discord server, Crab Cake. And he has asked us if we consider a hot dog to be a taco or a sandwich. Mm. Shane, what do you say? The hard hitting questions. Really hard. Uh, yeah. All right. So hot dog, taco or sandwich. So for me, all right. What defines a sandwich to me personally, right? Is the two like completely separate pieces of bread or bread like material. So once you sort of have like one contiguous meat holster to me, that becomes closer to a taco. Now, this there's some fine nuance in this question because if the bun splits for whatever reason you know you're just you're just manhandling your hot dog take that however you will Mm. or if it gets soggy from just too many condiments in there Mm. then it becomes a sandwich so in a way i would almost say both depending on it's like schrodinger's hot dog (laughs) It could be a taco or a sandwich. It just depends. With, with, with conversations like hot dogs and tacos, you don't got to be a pussy. Just answer it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to punt it. I'm not punting. Okay. 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 Because I mean, I like putting hot dogs and tacos. Sure. Yeah. But um. Ooh. But no. Is a hoagie a sandwich? Yes. I would say yes. And you have one continuous piece of bread in that. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I would say that the hot dog is a sandwich. Mm, that is a good point. Yeah. It's just like a sub. Mm. It's just with a big, long meat tube instead of meat shavings. Well, then is a, is a, is a sub a, a form of hot dog then? No. A hot dog is the kind of sandwich it is. Ah, okay. It's like a peanut butter and jelly. You don't always say peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You just say peanut butter and jelly. Well, now we have to. the contents of see, the sandwich. But now we have to further complicate things by bringing in pita bread. Like what, like what is a pita pocket then? When you go to a Mediterranean restaurant and they sell shawarma. Yes. They are, or, or gyros, which are in pita bread. They call them sandwiches. Mm-mm. Okay. And it's gyros. It's not gyros, you uncultured swine. <laughs> uh, there have been a couple of times where I've gone into like a, a Mediterranean restaurant or something. And I've heard someone just straight up order a gyro and just the look. Uh, on the person's face who's taking the order just priceless <laughs> they're just like i you know what it's not even worth my time oh and then like oh and then you say euro and some people are like euros like the currency i'm just like i hate like i hate you just <laughs> i hate it me. here <laughs> i don't want to live on this planet anymore uh but uh crab cake i hope that answers your question 
Yes. All right. So I, I guess the next one is is actually for me. So that'll be interesting. I'm going to read my own question. So I'll be that guy. But the 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 question comes in from uh, Randall, uh, aka Orden, and uh, he asks. What moment made you realize you loved Dark Souls? Was it a particular mechanic or a boss fight or something else? And so this is actually a really great question because I think as many of you know, I was initially just completely repulsed by the idea of Dark Souls just in general, uh, largely due to its like notoriety of being like so hard and the whole like get good community. So that kind of kept me away from it. But once I finally gave it a shot, truth be told, it took me a while to kind of really get a feel for it. I remember my first character made it all the way to Quelog, and then I never progressed past that point. And then my second go around, I think, was where it really sort of sunk in for me and everything just kind of clicked. I don't think it's the boss fights or like any one thing in particular that makes it for me it's kind of the whole package deal the very like methodical approach to combat uh the level of difficulty that is legitimately fair i think that's a big thing to note and it's actually one of the detractors for dark souls 2 because there was some real lack of decent design in that particular entry where you end up dying because of some like fucked up cheap shots or something, which was completely antithetical to the entire design philosophy of Dark Souls in the first place. But that's an entire other discussion. And then honestly, the atmosphere and just like the world building that they did in that game. I mean, I just adore dark fantasy settings like that. And Dark Souls really nails it. The sort of method of experiential storytelling is very well implemented. It's not a lot of exposition like some other RPGs where you have to sit through hours of dialogue or, you know, cutscenes or whatever. It's more told through, you know, like the items that you find and like the little quips of descriptions that they have or things that you actually see in the game world that kind of fill in things, you know, or make you wonder and you kind of fill the rest of it in yourself with your imagination. And I think that's a that's a big thing. And I know a lot of people have gone over that in exhaustive detail, but it's for a good reason. So that's that's my semi short answer, because I could probably keep going about it. But it's really just a package deal, man. I mean, that's part of why I couldn't get into something like Sekiro, because it's missing one of those like essential pieces for me, which is the combat. I, I don't like the twitchy dodge combat and like the timed parrying and stuff that Sekiro kind of relies on. It's part of the reason that I didn't actually finish Bloodborne either because it was already starting to head in that direction. So for what it's worth, that's also why I like Hellpoint because it is much, much more like OG Dark Souls in how it approaches combat, which I really appreciate. Hmm. Cool. All right. So moving on to the next one, um, another one from Randall. We've actually we've got a few from him. He he was coming up with a, a handful of good questions. So he asks, at what moment did you and Shane? So that would be directed towards Chris. So the two of us, when did Oddly we enough. decide to start a podcast? Uh, I, and you can fill in the blanks here if I'm off because, you know, giant gaping holes in my brain from all the alcohol I've consumed over the past couple of years. I'm doing i guess that's wow that's terrible sound really bad 
<laughs> Speaking of alcohol, like this, this started at a bar. I think that's, that is one of the biggest reasons is called retro hangovers. The conversations we would have when we were buzzing yeah. uh, over at, it's a restaurant in Orange Park. It's still up. It's called Brewer's Pizza. Uh, they have a microbrew in there called Pinglehead and they have delicious beer. It's and delicious not pizza. the place. Oh yeah. Del- de- delicious pizza too. It's, it hasn't been the same quite um, over the past year, mostly due to COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't blame that them for that, but uh, they, they're just trying to be responsible, but it doesn't have the same ring to it. Anyway, I'm getting off point here. We were having these conversations while we were enjoying fantastic beer and fantastic pizza. And there were some people, there was, there was a man sitting, I think like to our left, we were at the front of the bar, man to the left. And he's like, you guys are, you guys are having a really interesting conversation over there. And we're like, oh, well, thanks. And he's like, I don't even know what the fuck video games are, but I'll listen to whatever the hell you're talking about. <laughs> and yeah. then me and Shane were like, you know what? Let's, let's try and package this and, and put this out to the masses somehow. Let's just have a podcast. Let's just hang out at your place and record one because it's cheaper to hang out at your place and drink beer. True. Uh, the, uh, the other is we can just document these conversations and have a good time. And I, I'm pretty sure that's, that's the long of the short Shane got a microphone, looked up all the things that we needed to do to put it on a server and upload it to the airwaves. And, uh, that's pretty much the beginning of it. Yeah, no, I, I think you covered it pretty, pretty well. Yeah. I mean, we were just kind of like, well, you know what? We're, we're two, you know, 30 something white guys. So, I guess we need a podcast, right? That's <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we got into some pretty in-depth conversations and I think it was at that point where we both kind of realized that, that we, we both had not only kind of a passion, I think for a lot of like retro games, but also uh, a surprising amount of knowledge about it to where we could, you know, talk at least semi-intelligently uh, about a lot of the, the history of these things and, and stuff like that. So yeah, we figured, you know, well, maybe if random dude at the bar thinks that we're interesting enough to eavesdrop on, then maybe some other people would also like to listen. And uh, I guess it turns out we were kind of right. <laughs> yeah. We have more than 10 people <laughs> that's listening right. to this show. So, I mean, that's, that's about 10, I'll say eight more people than I ever planned on having listening to our show because, you know, every once in a while, the parents and, and family members are going to check in. So true. Yeah. Again, once again, listeners, you are amazing and we love you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if that sounded how that sounded. I'm just going to keep moving forward. <sighs> we do love you, though, listeners. All right. Name. Uh, this is once again from Randall. Name a retro game that you love that was formative for you. Oh, Okay, well, this is an easy one and probably not at all surprising. Diablo, like hands down, mm. like OG Diablo. I mean, Diablo 2 is a big deal for me, but the the first one, if we're talking formative games, absolutely Diablo 1. I did not know that games could be as just dark and ominous mm. as it is until I played Diablo. And I think I truly believe that it is almost single-handedly responsible for my aforementioned love of dark fantasy settings and action RPGs. I really don't think that there's any other game besides maybe World of Warcraft that has had such a profound effect on me just as a gamer. 
it's it's really shaped a lot of my my tastes and kind of what I inevitably end up gravitating to. Um, and you know, like I said, I'm I'm still playing OG Diablo to this day. I mean, if you were hanging out on our Twitch stream recently, I was playing the the PS1 port of it. So so there you go. Uh, for me. This isn't like I, I don't so much love the game as much today. I certainly did back then. Um, and mine's going to lean more into the formative and not even within the realm of games. It's just in terms of how I look at things as a whole. And I'm going to go at Mortal Kombat. Mm, okay. And the reason for that is it it made me realize that games. I mean, not so much like I'm thinking of this process back when this game came out because it was what I was seven when Mortal Kombat first came out. So I was eight when the real debate and questions about the game started coming out. But that's when I started realizing, even though I couldn't quite articulate it then, that games were a little bit more than just the media that we kind of attributed with them back in up to that point. The question started being raised, are games art? And should art, if it's art, should art be censored? Uh, should art be prevented from getting out to the masses? And what's the extent of free speech? Because there were people that did not want this game, did not want Mortal Kombat to be available on home consoles or generally be available at all, just because they were, in so, they were so insulted by the concepts it was presenting. And of course, back then, that was violence, uh, crude vulgarity. And of course, it was like with a lot of other games at the time, you had uh, Night Trap, I don't know if Duke Nukem quite yet. I think it was a little bit before Duke Nukem 3D. But that and Night Trap really spurred a conversation about what should be allowed in a video game. Uh, because, of course, people were thinking video games were kids' toys. But as we all know today, video games are an expression. They're an art form. So I kind of took those lessons learned from those fights and watched people fight the debate of should should you know games be considered art and should games really avoid a lot of government regulation on what got released out to the public. And that, that's that's kind of my perception of kind of what formed me moving forward in terms of when it came to speech and, and censorship and what should be allowed and what shouldn't be allowed. It's kind of made me view as if anyone's ever trying to hide something from somebody or shut anyone down. I mean, that's there's probably not an entirely good reason for it. More than likely, if a person doesn't a person argument or a group doesn't want something coming to fruition or being pushed out to the masses for them to be able to decide whether or not it's good or giving them at least the option to say no to it they're probably the baddies so um i I guess that more formed my i guess i don't want to say political ideology but i guess that's the best way i can put it but just the way i kind of view the world and how i view arguments and discussions and uh, just how to move forward with with life and what people should be able to say and do and what you should be able to do and say with art. That was a much more insightful and cultured response than mine. was. <laughs> I was just like, I like clicking things and making them go boom and get looped. And you were just like, yes, well, I believe this has informed my uh, sociopolitical stand on, uh, you know, art and whether it's an expression and <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, it's good. It's good. You just went way more highbrow than I did. But it's good. I saw I saw more of the formative and I was like, ah, do I want to go with video games or I want to go with me personally? And so I went the me personally route. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, and speaking of 
I guess like insightful things. I feel like we're going to move into that with the, with the next question. So this is another one coming from the good old crab cake. And he asks, what moment in video gaming would you say was the most emotionally moving for you? So I have two that I wrote down and one's uh, the first one, because it's not really gameplay, but it is from a video game are the short stories in lost odyssey for the 360 mm. that entire first disc is just an emotional roller coaster it 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 took my emotions when i played it and i was younger so i don't know if i'd have the same view on it now it might actually be worse but it just takes it took my emotions it beat the fuck out of them and just let left them like just completely exhausted by the end of the first disc and then it just kind of shifted in tone for the remaining three. But the first disc is just an absolute masterpiece of a game in terms of storytelling, in terms of narratives, in terms of extraneous stuff that you can read that really just they try to gut punch you over and over and over again. I think they do a very, very, very successful job. But in terms of actual gameplay and how uh, how a game can make me very emotional and it didn't even do it intentionally. I think this goes back to more of the games as art. And I kind of said this when we did our interview with Cade Call back when we were on his uh, podcast, Gaming Memories, all these, you know, like a year and a half ago now. Holy shit. The Shadow of the Colossus, uh, the game that truly, I think, bridged the gap for most people who are still on the fence on whether or not games were art. And one of the biggest reasons is that, okay, the, like, is the what happens when you defeat the Colossus? Because... There's, I think, only 13 of them, and I might have that number wrong. I'm sorry. The premise of the game is you're trying to save your loved one, and in order to do so, you have to slay all the Colossi. And every single time you slay the Colossi, something's not right. Something's off. The music that plays, the way that they fall, the way that they die. And every single time the, um, they, they fall, it, it gets weirder and more off-putting and you know and there's this overwhelming feeling of sadness and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse throughout the game but you have to do it and it absolutely takes an emotional toll it took one on me just a fantastic fantastic game and if you haven't played it please don't go any spoilers please don't look anything up just go fucking play it it is so good and it's yeah i was so i would have to say those I gave you two moments, but in terms of just one of just plot and, and narrative and one in just pure gameplay. So I think they they're good to separate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so mine is definitely like I, I immediately knew my answer to this question. And it is, well, frankly, the entirety of this game, but specifically Emil's death in near death. Man, I just fucking lost it. When that happened, and I am not ashamed to admit that. Oh, I'm so sad. I mean, I still actually get a little choked up just <sighs> thinking about it. But, and you know, like, I know he ends up surviving, right? But that particular moment is just, like, such an emotional sucker punch because he has this, like, you know, undeterred optimism in the face of just, like, everything that you've gone through together. And that kind of makes him, like, this embodiment of whatever hope might have still been left in the world and then when he dies it's like the last bit of that is just extinguished and it was just like oh like i there are very few things i think i've experienced in video games that like were that impactful for me so so definitely definitely that one 
Yeah. Kind of a bit of a spoiler in that one, too. So there's that. (laughs) Maybe we should put a warning. I don't know. You're listening to a retro Um, game podcast. We did an episode on Nier. What do you want from me? (laughs) I do want to throw out an honorable mention to Final Fantasy Type Zero. That opener is... I, I went back and I've watched it more recently, and it's it's a lot more cheesy than I remember it. But I remember the first time I played it, and God, that opener was fucking rough. Yeah, that that was a tough one to to watch and go through. Enough about talking about emotional instances. <laughs> we are we are going to be more positive here, and this one is from the Masked Llama, mm. and uh, always a pleasure to to hear questions from you, Llama. You you bring joy to our Discord when I least expect it. So thank you. His question is: Which games were you shocked to find that you enjoyed? Uh, so I actually struggled trying to figure out how to answer this question. Um, because I, I had an answer in mind, but I didn't want to repeat myself, but honestly, I just had to go back to it. it it's kind of dark souls again. Like I was, <laughs> I was truly surprised with how much I just like fell in love with that series because I, I absolutely did not think I was going to, I didn't think I would like it at all. And it was like the polar opposite, like in the best way. I would also put like a, an honorable mention in there of uh, Fantasy Star. I went into that game, um, you know, kind of prepping for our episode on it, expecting just this like antiquated RPG slog. And I ended up finding a game that I had a hard time putting down. I was genuinely taken aback by how much that game really grabbed me. And and that's a good like indicator, right? Of like a really engaging game is like when you're, you're reticent to, to put it down and you look forward to the next time you get to continue playing it. I feel like we've played through enough games in our lives where we can kind of tell the difference. Like I'm playing something out of some sort of twisted sense of obligation because I need to finish it. Or if Mm I just genuinely like playing it and fantasy star I genuinely enjoyed playing. Oh, yes. Fantasy Stars is fantastic. Thank you, Paul, by the way. Yes. I'm going to briefly go over. I'm just going to hit three real quick. Uh, The first one I want to mention is Candy Crush because. (laughs) Okay. I'm serious. I am fucking serious, man. Uh, It's one of those games that everyone made fun of. And then I picked it up and I couldn't stop playing it for weeks. So, I mean, if to, to say Candy Crush is a bad game, you're lying. It's a good game. It's just but that you're not a real gamer. Yeah, get fucked. It's a game. <laughs> if you like Tetris, are you not a real gamer? Then stop. The second one I want to mention is Mass Effect, uh, because the first time I played Mass Effect, I immediately put it down. I think I played it for 30 minutes and I was like, this game is jank and I fucking hate it. <laughs> and I waited, I think, six months. And then on, I, I kept on seeing people say, no, this game's really good. This game's really good. And, you know, a two's been announced or something like that. I was like, okay, I'll give it another shot. And I picked it up. And I think I finally understood the battle system that you have to pause and you have to, you know, direct your team in order to what they're supposed to do. And it, it all kind of clicked. And it's like, oh, 
I love this game. And uh, it ended up, ended up being one of my, no, it ended up being probably my favorite trilogy ever released in the history of ever. I, I love the Mass Effect trilogy. And all it's because I just decided to pick it up and give it another chance after absolutely hating it. So I don't, I don't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, so basically yeah. what that means is Mass Effect is your, is your Dark Souls. Yes. Mass Effect is my Dark Souls. Okay. That's fair. At least Mass Effect one, because they're all different games. Right. And then number one is a game that you recommended to me. And I think you'll remember me laughing at you and telling you I would never play a mobile game, especially in this video game series. <laughs> and you, uh, that and anyone who played it would, could get fucked. And that game is Final Fantasy Record Keeper, which for the longest time was the unofficial game of the Retro Hangover podcast. That is true. <laughs> I did not want anything to do with that game. I thought it was going to be absolute shit, especially after all the bravest. I fuck go listen to our go listen just listen to our episodes I talk about it for like what 10 15 episodes I'm playing it something like we that both, yeah. and I, I even played it beyond when you did and mentioned it I, have, I haven't played it for a while now but yeah I was shocked absolutely shocked I was addicted to that game like coke and I loved it um but I wouldn't know what it's like to be addicted to coke I'm just saying coke is a reference point please don't come after me <laughs> navy I am I am clean I'm not doing drugs yet next one is also from llama are there any games that you thought you would enjoy but ended up hating so i don't know if i would go so far as to say hate but there are several games that like on paper are just a hundred percent like my jam and for whatever reason i just could not get into them at all <laughs> so axiom verge actually is a perfect example it was the first one that came to mind like just as a general statement, I, I'm totally into Metroidvanias. Like you could keep making good Metroidvanias until the end of time. And I'd probably still just keep playing all of them. But allegedly Axiom Verge is a really good Metroidvania, but I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about it, but I got less than an hour into it and I just bounced so hard off of it. And I have yet to actually give it another shot. I know that I should, but it just I, like I wouldn't even say it didn't grab me like it, it <laughs> like aggressively repelled me for some reason. And I, I just <laughs> I can't like articulate exactly why, but definitely that one. That's that's too bad because I actually I really want to play Axiom Verge. I do have to give that a shot because uh, I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So for me. I was in the same position as you. It's like, I don't have a game I hate that I expected to enjoy. So the first thing I wrote down was Super Metroid. <laughs> then I moved on. It's like, no, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. Then I was like, mm, maybe. Uh, I mean, they're not bad games. I can't go that route. And then it's like every Zelda game that's not called Majora's Mask. Jesus. But then I realized, OK, you know, like those are just like hot, edgy takes. And they don't like I know they're not bad games. They're just games that I don't fully enjoy. Hot take. Hashtag that word. I then like it just. I think earlier this week I was just thinking about it because there is a game that the boot up screen, the boot up, like when you boot up and you have to select a save file, that's ingrained in my head. Okay. So uh, I'll get to it. So every single time, like I'll just be driving down the road and I'll just go, I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't know why. Cause I hate this game. And that game is fantasy star two. That game. And it's not like I haven't tried. 
I have tried on the Sega Genesis. I tried on the Sonic's Ultimate Genesis collection. I tried with I haven't tried with Sega Ages. I tried again on an, uh, the new Steam release for the Sega Genesis games collection. Just try. I tried right after playing the original Fantasy Star. Just continue the plot. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm finally going to buckle down. I understand it's an old game. No, that game's bad. It's just objectively bad. And it is. I, I hate that game. I hate it with all my soul. I hate it with every single bit of my every single bit of passion. And the worst thing is I know people out there love it. And you're you're allowed to like bad games. It's fine. I hate Fantasy Star 2. And it's it's just uh, it's, it's so sad because that song will not leave my mind. It's been haunting me for at least 10 years. <laughs> 10 years, Shane, 10 years. I can't get that song out of my head. And I, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, I like that jingle. I'm going to go play Fantasy Star 2. And then when I get to it, I just get my dick smacked, reminding me how bad of a game it is. And now I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the the worst thing about that, right, is that it's like an awful follow up to an amazing game. Yes, and because I, I played Fantasy Star, like like Shane said, just like him. I loved it. I absolutely adored it. And I didn't play it in the Sega Ages mode, so I didn't have to like I did have to do some grinding. I did. It was a little bit more difficult, but I still enjoyed it in its base form. And when I did the same with the follow up, it was just it, it made me angry. It made me physically ill. It's it's. I, I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I'm sorry. No, I'm not even sorry. I'm not sorry. I hate that game. Okay. Well, moving on to perhaps a, a more positive question. Uh, another one from the esteemed llama. If you could have any one person on your show, who would it be? Ooh. Well, um, if you had asked me this uh, two years ago, we, we got that person on our show. We, we had Derek Buck on our show. Yes. Go back and check out the interview for that. Uh, I was super excited to have on our show. I, I loved him on there. I always loved him as the internet personality. And if you are listening to this perchance, Derek, uh, you're always welcome back. I might try and reach out to him again because we did have a fantastic time with him on that episode. We did. And uh, but he's always welcome. Now, moving forward, I was thinking, do I want to go realistic? I mean, how realistic is realistic? Do I want to borderline it or do I want to shoot for the stars? And I thought to myself, I would shoot for the stars. Who would I love to have on this show uh, to talk video games who I think would be chill, who I don't think would would be would be too over the top. And if they were over the top, that it would be deliberate and they would be playing a character uh, and they would be in character. And I would just absolutely love them to be on here for that reason. And that is all elite wrestling's Kenny Omega. I think <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> That guy is, dude, this is a dude who came out to uh, Megalo, Megalovania. I think it's Megalovania or Megalomania. The song, whatever Sans' song is from Undertale and dressed up as Sans on a Halloween episode of AEW. Number one wrestler in the world. And he's a retro gaming nut. So I, of course, I would love for him to be on the show. That's that's number one for me. What about you there, Shane? Wow. Okay. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. <laughs> so for mine, uh, I would actually, I would love to have David Brevik on the show. And for those of you who are not a super fucking Diablo nerd, such as myself, 
He was one of the original members of the Blizzard North team who worked on Diablo and Diablo 2. I mean, Diablo is in a lot of ways his baby. And I've I've watched him, uh, you know, give like, I won't say speeches necessarily, but like he's had appearances at different like conventions and stuff where he's talked about like the history and like the development cycle that went into Diablo and Diablo 2. And his insight is just so super interesting. And by all accounts, he's like a really chill dude, too. And he 100 percent would not fit into the current um, culture that is at blizzard these days um so he's probably uh. better off for having moved on elsewhere and to, to kind of do his own thing but uh i would just i would love to i mean either just pick his brain or really just like listen to him i would just love to just listen to him just tell stories about like the development team and you know things that went on in the course of like dreaming up what eventually became you know, kind of like the the Diablo franchise. Um, so that's that's my pick. You said that my pick wasn't where you saw it was going. What what did you think? Where do you think I was going to go? Oh, I don't know. I thought maybe you were going to go with, you know, like a popular Japanese game developer or something like that. I I, I mean, wrestling's not super surprising in hindsight, but I just was not yeah. expecting that as an answer. I think the problem with like Japanese developers is I'd be so embarrassed because I don't know Japanese. True. And that I, if I'm going to interview somebody that is, has a, that speaks in a foreign language, I would want to interview them in their native language and understand it. So it wouldn't be an awkward conversation. So I don't like, I couldn't say that'd be my number one just because I don't want to insult them. That's fair. <laughs> now, if I knew Japanese, I, I would probably change up my opinion, but yeah, I don't know it. Okay. Now we're on to the Adam questions. Yeah, you buckle up, everybody. We, we gotta, we'll make it through this section together, okay? <sighs> Thank you, Adam, from the good, the bad, and the backlog. <laughs> um, you are, I can always count on you for a good time. All right. So, Shane. Yes. If you had to go gay for a game character, who would it be? Mm. So, I, I actually have a couple of options here. <laughs> Oh, a couple. Yeah. <laughs> First thing that came to mind would be Alucard. Mm. More, sp- I, I feel like I should be more specific because I know it's technically like not a game character, but I- I'm kind of leaning towards like the Netflix series adaptation of Alucard. But I still feel like that's very much the spirit of the character in general. So, and he would be down. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we we've <laughs> we've confirmed yeah. that. Yeah. Also. I wouldn't maybe not runner up, but somewhere in there um, I'd throw Kuja in from FF nine. Okay. And if we want to have like a real deep cut selection, I'm going to throw Bridget from guilty gear in there too. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. (laughs) All right. What about you? Um, Kirby. (laughs) You know, what's funny is I actually almost put that too. (laughs) And if you're going to say, Chris, that's not fair. Kirby, Kirby is not human or you're disgusting because I think Kirby is a child. Look, Kirby came out in 1992. Uh, Kirby is no longer a child. Kirby is almost 30. Okay, Kirby is of legal age. He is of legal age. But if I have to pick a human, fine. Uh, Bayonetta. What? (laughs) Bayonetta. Look. Did I miss something here? Like, (laughs) 
here's here's my justification. I notice how much Adam likes Bayonetta and how much the gay community likes Bayonetta. Uh huh. So I'm thinking if I was gay, I would like Bayonetta more. This this is such a cop out answer. This is such a cop out <laughs> answer. He's like, who who would you be gay for? And you're just like the hot chick. I, look, I, the gay community apparently loves the Bayonetta series. They love Bayonetta. I am all up in here being like, yes, the very effeminate vampire. That's what I'm going with. And you, you pick fucking Bayonetta. I did pick Kirby as my first. That's true. Like, if he gives you a blowjob, does he turn into a dick? Yes. No, no, because he'll just suck all of you. He'll turn into you. Mm, okay. You would cease to exist. You would fall into the endless void that is his stomach. Oh, so that also kind of fulfills a vor thing, too. Okay. It does. Several different levels here. I am playing 6D chess here with Kirby. <laughs> uh, I hope I hope you're happy with these questions, Adam. I hope you're happy with the answers. <laughs> yeah. His his next question. I guess this is your turn to ask. It is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is a pretty straightforward one, but he just like just straight up asks, have you ever had an STI? So go ahead, Chris. Um, no, but I have had a couple of close calls. Mm. I mean, I've been how long I've been married now officially almost 16 years. So it's been 16 years since I was doing the tomfoolery. And uh, back then I had to have a Q-tip shoved up my urethra. There you go. TMI already Uh, because there was a close call. And if you don't know, that's how they determine whether or not you have some STIs. So I don't know if they still do that. At least that's what they did back in the day, quote the day. So you probably um, I don't know how they do it for women. I can only speak for how they do it for men. They yeah, they take a Q-tip and they just grab your they grab your wang and they just, you know, shove it up there. And get a get a little culture. And uh, thankfully, everything turned out negative. There are some more more disgusting stories than that. I will not tell, but I'll just say it did not result in me getting an STI, thankfully. And <laughs> I will leave that alone. All right. How about you, Shane? Um, actually, that's pretty much the same story <laughs> for me. Uh, so fortunately, <laughs> the answer is no. But back in my, let's say, less discerning days, there there were a few. Um, close calls. Uh, but fortunately none of those, uh, turned out to be anything of consequence. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Sweet. <laughs> well, that was sufficiently again, awkward just as I thought it would be. So moving on there, as we said in the intro already uncomfortable. All right. So this next one, which gaming character would you let suffocate you to death with their tits? Oh, um, I mean, like, where do I even start with this? There, there are so many options. Like, it's like a kid in a candy store. Oh, yeah. So the, first, the I think the first one that comes to mind for me is uh, Ning Wong from Genshin Impact. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. I She can, I can, I would just be buried in, in those You'd things. be motorboating? Yep. There's a motorboating okay. son of a bitch, like, all day, any day. There you go. But you'd be dying. I, it's worth it. Okay. Yeah. See, I look at this question and like immediately think this was, this is going to be pleasurable. 
right? Um, it no, like suffocating to death is, is a horrible result. Briefly, perhaps. I mean, but every woman has tits, so it's not like like this isn't an enjoyable affair. It's just. You know, what What would your preference be if it was a video game character? It's like, oh, if I'm going to be executed, I'm going to suffer a horrible fate. Who would be the one to carry out the fate? And I guess my biggest video gaming crush oh, have to be Cammy from Street Fighter. Just give me Cammy. That's fair. She could also crush you with her thighs, I'm sure. I mean, she could do both at the same time. I mean, if I'm going to suffocate, you might as well make it quick, right? It's <laughs> a good point. Yes. You know, the, the, the easy out is just Tifa, but I didn't want to just be extremely generic and <laughs> Tifa for like the one millionth time a gamer said that. So, <laughs> nah, it's it's Cammy. even though I don't think she has gigantic knockers. I know that she could she could give me a quick painless death while I'm buried in her breast. OK, so I just want to say, Adam, I hate you that I have to have these words literally come out of my mouth right now. Or is it about the things that are about to go into your mouth? Yeah, well, there's yeah, there's there's also that. So Adam asks, would you rather <laughs> lick Bowser's taint or have peach shit in your mouth? I can't even get through reading that question without laughing. This one's easy, man. It's the taint. Really? Okay, why? Yeah, it's the taint. Why? Because it's not shit. Okay. Is that, is that your whole argument? Bowser's naked. I don't see a dick on him, do you? Uh, I mean, no. No. So where's all that ball sweat going? There is no ball sweat. I'm licking that taint. It probably tastes like lizard. And you know what? I've had crocodile before and it doesn't taste bad. I've had alligator too. Okay. So what you're telling me is that Bowser taint tastes like chicken. That's, that's what you're, that's the conclusion you're coming to here, right? It could taste like chicken. Okay. And he has fire breath. So if he, as long as he's breathing down there beforehand, I think it could be actually quite an enjoyable experience. Whereas Peach as a, is a human and I'd be having to ingest actual human shit. So I also, I love and hate that we have different answers to this question. <laughs> uh, all right. So again, I despise the fact that I've been even forced to think thoughts about this consideration, but uh, having put time into it, I feel like I, I have to go with, with peach. I mean, listen, like the bonus is if you get to choose diet beforehand, right? That should help like mitigate some of the damage. And I just feel like, listen, like Bowser, he's a busy guy trying to, you know, run a kingdom he doesn't seem like the type of lizard that tends to wash very often. I really don't want to even begin imagining like what soiled lizard king taint smells like. Wait, 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 wait. What? Peach is in his castle. Y y yes. Locked up. Ar arguably against her will. That's it's debatable, but I think that makes it worse. Why, why is that? How, well, OK, it is canonical that Bowser does let her bathe. That's in Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. You, yes. So, um, but she, like the diet is being chose for her by Bowser. You're okay. Like, but you're, you're not making getting a lot of assumptions about this. You're saying that you're making, would, you're making a lot of assumptions. You're saying that you get to choose the diet. I said it would be a bonus if I did. Okay. Okay. Yes. I mean, I, I guess that would also depend entirely on where, where Peach is located at this particular <laughs> moment. Like if she's just baking cake back at her castle, I feel like that's a very different 
scenario. Beach. But I feel like also we've put already too much thought into this question. So that's... way too much thought. <laughs> uh, all right. So moving on, I think we well, maybe not the last because I think we got he snuck in another one towards the end of our list. Yes, he but... did. Shane, this is another this is the last. Well, this is not the last one from Adam. But no, it's the last one in these in the sequence of questions. Yeah, the, the gauntlet. Yes. Uh, which Mario? This one's actually this one's actually a decent question. It's not too hard. Uh, which Mario power up would you use in the bedroom? Uh, I'm going to go with the power balloon <laughs> from Super Mario World. <laughs> it's basically the Mario universe equivalent of like a penis pump. So there you go. Oh, also covers okay. like that inflation thing, too. You know, you got to you got to get those demographics. I would choose the Tanuki suit. <laughs> OK, if anyone knows anything about Tanuki, you'll know why I'm choosing the Tanuki suit. Hmm. They're they're like the Japanese yokai of fertility. Oh, huge balls. That's true. See, you have this, this is actually like a well-reasoned, like knowledgeable answer that you gave. And I'm just like, now, nah, man, Venus pump, pump it up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So transitioning out of that debauchery, let's uh, move on to a question from uh, Paul from the region free gamers. And he asks if you could go back in time and prevent one game series from ever existing, which would it be? And when you return, how much better on a scale of one to 10 would our world be without Pokemon? I guess these are two separate questions because it's not Pokemon. The, uh, so first I guess our answer the Pokemon question because Pokemon comes out before the game I'd choose would never exist. Uh, the, the answer would be zero. It would not be better without I said one to ten. So I have to give it a one because zero is not part of the scale because Pokemon came. Pokemon inspired a lot of great games like Dragon Quest Monsters, Yokai Watch, Nino Kuni, the first one. Uh, So the world would not be better without Pokemon. And it saved the Game Boy and reinvigorated the entire portable game market. So no, like what? Liar. (laughs) I understand his story is a little bit different, but no, no. Pokemon. Pokemon doesn't need doesn't need to go. You know what game series needs to go, Shane? What's that? The Sims. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this was a carefully targeted answer. <laughs> and let me tell you why it should be The Sims. Okay. Because I don't know if we have the same level of microtransactions, at least as early without The Sims, because think about how much DLC The Sims sold. Think about the, the demographic that DLC sold because i mean yeah it started out as expansion passes and there were a lot of expansion passes and it showed ea how much money they can make if they just kept pumping more and more and more and more content into their games until ea just stopped making games and started making a product that you had to buy piecemeal to get the actual game so i wish the sims never existed because i think we would have gotten to a point that we're at now I mean, we're going to get there eventually one way or another, but it would have been much later. Okay. No, I I think that's a fair answer. I will say I would just like to point out that I I do truly appreciate Paul's just relentless hatred for for Pokemon. He hates Pokemon. Your your conviction, sir, is admirable. So I think mine would probably be Call of Duty. So the original had an excellent single player campaign. I have gone on record and will continue to support that stance 
that I think the original Call of Duty is an excellent game. And at some point we will be doing an episode about that. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I feel like the world could do without its legacy of kind of being like the dude bro multiplayer shooter. Like, I just I don't know. I feel like its influence on multiplayer gaming over the past, you know, I guess a couple decades now is just I'm not sure that I would say it's a positive one. I'm I'm shocked you didn't go with Halo then. Yeah, well, that had crossed my mind, too, actually. But I just I I know that this is subjective, of course. And I right. I personally just have this like partially irrational distaste for Call of Duty just because of like the the stereotypes that kind of come along with it, you know, of the type of person that would consider Call of Duty multiplayer to be like their thing. I know I'm probably pissing off some people with that, but I just, ugh, I don't know. Like I would not miss it if it was gone. No. And I, I see where you're coming from because call of duty certainly crossed my mind. I, I know there was a lot of games series that crossed my mind. Assassin's Creed, call of duty, battlefield, um, just a lot of your like Madden, just a lot of your, you know, yearly regurgitated series that has come out year after year and don't, you know, they just make marginal improvements on their formula and just push it out there for you to consume. Right. But then I realized a lot of those games actually had some really good games in the beginning of their series. And like Call of Duty was really good up until like two games after Modern Warfare, which was like their fourth game. So like that, that was hard for me to say it's got to go because it had a good string of games for a, for a while. Uh, the culture definitely became toxic, but um. I could see why you'd want to get rid of it, but I don't think it would get rid of the fan base. They would just be playing Halo or Battlefield. Like yeah, you'd still be, that's true. you'd still be sitting with the same fucking problem. <laughs> that that is true. Okay, so the next one is also from Paul. And this is actually a question that resulted from our King of Games 2000 uh, special channel that we have for the patrons of both Retro Hangover and Region Free Gamers. This is where they can go there and they can discuss the, the episodes because they're only out for patrons right now. So someone came with a hot take, and that was Llama. He came out with this really hot take uh, about Diablo 2. And here's the question that Paul asks based off that take. So Shane, this is just for Shane. How does it make you feel to lovingly create a Discord community only to have a bunch of ingrates use that forum to call Diablo 2 a glorified gauntlet clone? You come in my house. Now, uh, I mean, honestly, they're kind of not wrong. <laughs> if, if I'm being really honest with myself, they're, they're not entirely wrong. And listen, at the end of the day. I am willing to and fully recognize that Diablo and pretty much all ARPGs are just shiny Skinner boxes, but I just don't care because I love them. I, I love the core gameplay loop of most ARPGs. Slaughter a bunch of stuff, find sweet loot, make your character more powerful, rinse and repeat. I, I, I'm okay with that. I have no problems with that. And like I said earlier, I, I will probably play Diablo one and two until the day I die and none of you can stop me. So, so there you have it. Awesome. Uh, moving on to our next question. Uh, this is going back to crab cake. Uh, he asks, 
What is your least popular gaming opinion? This should be spicy. Um, so people are about people are going to listen to what I say, and they're probably never going to trust a gaming opinion of mine ever again. All right. Prepare for the butt mad. Super Mario 3 for the NES isn't that good. <laughs> wow. OK, I can tell you why it's not good. Prior to Super Mario Brothers 3. Nintendo had this fun little device in Japan. It was called the Famicom Disk System. And we've talked about this on this show with like specifically in regards to Metroid and the Legend of Zelda. And what that disk system did is that it allowed you to save your game. What? You could save the game. Like, I I know that's a foreign concept for a lot of those games that came over here, like Kid Icarus and Metroid and Castlevania 2 and the original Castlevania Games where you either needed a password or couldn't save at all. Even Doki Doki Panic, you could save your game. And Doki Doki Panic is what we call Super Mario Brothers 2. It actually has a really cool saving convention where you have to beat the game with all four characters and it saves your data and then you get a different ending. I digress. Super Mario Brothers 3 does not allow you to save your game. It is a very long game. It's what, about two and a half hours if you just sat down and played it? And you're playing it casually, it, it will probably it might take you longer than that. So I want I want you to seriously ask yourself this question, listener, because I'm not talking about the Super uh, Super Mario All Stars version of Super Mario Brothers Three. That game is fine. That game is a very good game. It's a fantastic game. But you sit down and put Super Mario Brothers Three in your NES, and you play it, and you are not allowed to use the warp whistles. You are not allowed to use the warp whistles because <laughs> I'm not. Accepting that as a reasoning for Super Mario Brothers 3 not being that long and you can just kind of go back to where you were with the warp whistles. No, warp whistles are cheats. They are cheats. I don't care if that was the intention of the developers. It is a cheat for you to get forward. Sit down and play that game from start to finish like it was built to do and tell me you're having a great time. Tell me you can do it, first of all. Tell me you can do it in a regular afternoon. Even when you were a kid, you could just sit down and do that without having to pick up and do something else or worry about doing something else without having to leave your NES on all day. Fine. The gameplay is fine. I just look you. you it's it's not incredibly varied to the point where I give a shit about it. You want to play something better? Play Super Mario World. It's there. It's infinitely better. That's it is true. so much better. Yeah. Super Mario Brothers 3 is the most overrated video game of all time by far there there's my spicy super unpopular gaming opinion that 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 is that is a pretty hot take so mine i'm not you know i don't i don't know if it's going to match that actually but minecraft is grossly overrated i'm just going to go ahead and put that out there i feel like everyone and their well little brother seems to accept that Minecraft is just like this fucking amazing game and deserves to be the behemoth of commercial success that it is. But I just, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, listen, I'll give it credit right where it's due that it does allow for some pretty amazing creativity. And there are some actual use cases where, you know, it can be used in an educational setting to teach kids about like basics of circuitry and things like that. And that's cool. Like, I will give it that, but I have never understood just the runaway rampant success of Minecraft. I, I 
first of all, and I, I didn't go and bother to like fact check this. I'm running off of like just memory at this point. So somebody can probably tell me I'm wrong, but I'm pretty certain that I recall like reading somewhere that the, the, the whole shtick behind this game of like, you know, having blocks construct the entirety of the world. And it's something that you can destruct and move and build and whatever was ripped from a different game and like never got proper credit. And also it was fucking written in Java to start with, which is trash. So I mean, that's a nerd <laughs> argument, but it's still valid. Lyle will at least back me up on that. I just, I don't get it, man. Like kids walking around in like Minecraft Steve t-shirts, like fuck that. Oh my God. <laughs> my kids love Minecraft. Well, I'm very happy for them. I just, I they don't, I, don't I, get I get it. the appeal. I do get the appeal. I understand it's definitely not probably for, I wouldn't want to say you or me because there are people that are our age that love it, but with our mentality towards games. No, I completely get you. I can't play that fucking game either. Okay, so our next question is from Discimera. Hi, Discimera. Uh, great Twitch channel, by the way, when he does it. Uh, he, he does a really good job, I think. One of our listeners who has their own Twitch channel, I, I like his Twitch channel. Yeah, I still need to go check that out. I haven't had an opportunity yet. What is the best experience you have had with online gaming? So I have I have two actually that comes to mind. Um, one was playing with the same guild in WoW for like several years, like continuously. I'm not sure I'll ever get that same experience again, mostly just because I just don't have time to dedicate to something like that that I used to. <laughs> but us like just building these friendships and this community, even though none of us really knew each other or lived close to one another. I, I will say there was one, I think, was it one? I think there was one person in my guild who I knew personally from high school, but they also lived like across the country at that point. Uh, but everybody else, you know, we got to know each other through the guild and just like raiding together or just questing and just bullshitting in guild chat or on voice in vent um, or team speak because we were using those back then. Everybody, you, everybody remember vent ventrilo. Yeah, no, never heard of her. So <laughs> that was just a really great experience. It's it's one of the standout like online multiplayer experiences. For me. And the other one is Neverwinter Nights. The AOL game? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That one. Um, you know, I fired up my my you know 24 baud fucking dial-up monitor, just got right in there. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh so the the I think it well, I think it was when it originally came out. Yeah, it was. Uh, a buddy of mine kind of set up his own custom server. And this was one of the things that made Neverwinter Nights so awesome was you could basically be a DM of your own world in the game. And so that's exactly what he did. He was unsurprisingly one of my friends that I played D&D with in real life. And so he set up his own private server. He basically built this whole like world and wrote like quests and shit and like did all of this stuff. And we just got on there and just played through it like it was a and d campaign. And it was amazing. I don't think I've ever played anything quite like that to this day. Uh, so I, th I think those two are my my big like standout ones. So hmm, if I go back like old times, it's really 
tough for me to choose between like like back way back in the day between three games. I, th- I guess I'm going to go with I'm just going to go with Starcraft for like um, like traditional gaming. I was also like honorable mentions to Fantasy Star Online and uh, for the Dreamcast and Warcraft 2 entirely different experiences. And I, I, I would love to talk about those later, but I, I guess, you know, for the sake of brevity, I'll just talk about Starcraft here. You know, Battle.net had been around for a while, but Starcraft, they came up with maps that just weren't, they weren't for battling. Like people would make action RPGs in these maps on Battle.net. They mm-hmm. would, they would custom make these maps and they were just, they were incredible little creations that I would stay up to like two, three o'clock in the morning playing i wouldn't even do a traditional uh battle unless it was like co-op against the computer uh because i'm just i'm not a very uh i don't like pvp doesn't interest me i don't like competing against people because i don't like to lose so i'd rather be cooperative (laughs) that's fair i mean at least i'm honest about it um i'm not going i don't like being competitive because i know i get overly competitive and i do dumb things when i'm overly competitive so i like to try and avoid that yeah i mean it was just it wasn't even necessarily a community, really. It was just you'd log on and you'd just be playing with total, complete strangers and be having a great time over the Internet. This is back in the like late 90s, early 2000s. Like, sure, there was toxic elements, but it's not like there is today. With everyone saying that they're going to fuck your mom or calling you some sort of racial slur. It was a really well put together community. And I really miss those times playing Battle.net on Starcraft back when it was still new. And you get new maps and you see new versions of things. and it was a really wild time and a great time to be a gamer. And I guess today I'm, you know, it's, it's way different than it was back then, but Jackbox, uh, shout outs to the secret levels podcast. They have Jackboxes on, uh, Jackbox nights on Fridays every once in a while where them and members of the community play Jackbox. And that's another thing where you can have a lot of friends, people you personally know, and you're playing Jackbox with them. Of course you want them to be of the same humor level you are. Cause I remember playing with Shane and some of his, uh, extended family and, that was fun. <laughs> it, was, it was not the right audience. <laughs> no, but yeah, you get you get the right audience in there. And Jackbox is just an absolute riot. Uh, that's the kind of games I think I've evolved into today. that I'd like to play online just because I don't have to have Twitch skills. And it's more even if I'm not funny, I'm not doing a good not doing a good job of providing humor. Someone is. And uh, you just get to know people a lot better. You get to have conversations and just basic things like that. And I can it's fun it's like it's like family game night for absolute perverts and deviants and uh there's there's nothing better than that all right so we jump back to another question from masked llama and he asks Mm -hmm. what happened to that fatal frame episode i listened to that you don't remember recording and no one else remembers hearing uh llama just keep your dms wide open in february and march that's what i'm gonna say about that there you go um, I will tell you that it exists in a parallel dimension along with the Bernstein bears and that movie about Sinbad being a genie. Yes, it's right there. Yep, it's right there. We might find it. And that's why we're asking you to keep your DMs open. All right. <sighs> this one is a this was a good question because I think we've we've talked about this. This was almost a possibility for us doing this for episode 100. But I'm, I'm happy we're doing this, of course. What is an episode? that you would wish to redo if you had the opportunity. Yeah. And this one was uh, sent in by Ozzy from RFG. By Ozzy. Yes, of course. I should have said who it's from. I'm sorry, Ozzy. <laughs> He's like, oh, fine. Yeah. Don't worry. You know what? As, as punishment for my, uh, for my misdeeds, we'll, we'll bring you on the show next week. <laughs> 
I mean, I think my honest answer is like any of our much earlier ones. <laughs> like, mm. I would like to think that our production value and might I be so bold as to say professionalism have improved so much that I, I actually kind of regret covering some of the ones that we covered early on because I, I, I feel like we could do them better justice. Um, and, and that's partially just like an, an artist thing, right? Like any, any creator typically goes back and looks at things that they created, you know, years ago or whatever, and usually thinks it's absolute garbage. Um, and that's just kind of the cycle, right. That you go through and we're not really any different. Um, but also I would kind of like objectively say that our show is better now than it was that, mm. you know, I, I, I would kind of agree. I would like to keep those episodes in a vault just because our format was so radically different back then. I, I don't want to go back and like redo those episodes per se, because I think if, if we took out like the news element of it and the, the modern gaming news element out of it in, in terms of how it applied to retro gaming, it would kind of it takes something away from those episodes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm not even talking about those, though. I mean, that's that's oh. way far back. I just mean like when we started kind of having episodes focusing on one game or one topic, like even oh. back then, like oh, some yeah. of those I would, I actually wouldn't mind redoing sometime in the future. Like, well, I mean, honestly it might actually happen and we'll probably just end up calling it a fucking HD remaster or something. <laughs> uh, you know what? I was going to go for the same one. I'd say if I had to, if I had to choose which episode to redo, I would probably say, uh, fuck, probably the PlayStation episode. Mm, yeah. I uh, like, I think that was the very first one we did when, when we came back Cause either that one or the, uh, master system one. And, you know, we were just kind of getting, you know, the, our, our feet on the ground and trying to decide on a format. And I don't like, I think by the time we got to the TurboGrafx 16, the episode that we did with Paul from region free gamers, we had a better idea of what we wanted to talk about, even though at that time we weren't extremely structured uh, the same way we are today. And I think that we're the, the structure that Shane came up with is uh, we're a lot better for that. We just didn't have any of that for for quite some time. So, yeah, I'd like to go back. And I think I don't I think episode what was it? episode 20. That was the PlayStation. I kind of like to go back there and put it more in the structure and and figure out uh, the best way to to tell our experience with with the PlayStation, because that back then, I'm not sure if we we really wanted to do more of a history show or of our or our experiences show and what we wanted to lean heavily, more heavy into. Right. I think we figured that out now to a point where I think you could get much more of a, a consistent level of conversation that you've come to expect from us. At least I hope so, that you probably didn't get back then. So. um. Yeah, that's where I go with. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And, you know, just one last thing about sort of the structure of the show. I I think it does help a lot in that it provides us kind of a framework to, you know, kind of hang our conversation on um, to the point where, A, hopefully we're not just rambling through like a stream of consciousness. And B, it kind of has a side effect of making our episodes as we've been noticing in, in recent weeks become a little bit longer, but that's just because we have this really good structure in place that allows us to go, I think deeper into the points that we want to make 
about the games that we're talking about, which I, I think is a good thing. I mean, you know, Ashton might not think so. He's the one that has to edit these. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I think the depth of conversation there is definitely a, a plus. Oh, certainly. Uh, so Adam asks, instead of Sora, who would you prefer as the final Smash DLC fighter? Wrong answers only. Huh. Uh, Rick James from The Chappelle Show. <laughs> that, okay. Yeah. He's Rick James, bitch. Like his his special just like whips out a couch. Yeah. Fuck your couch. <laughs> Where the five fingers say that'd be his ultimate smash attack. Where the five fingers say to the face and just slap and it knocks him out. Automatic insta kill. Nice. I like it. I, I will say that I tended to stick more in the solely like video game realm of things um, for better or worse. Um, I had a couple different answers for this, but I settled on um, on a uh, Mallow from Twilight Princess, the, the the little like toddler who ends up becoming a businessman and who's just like snarky as fuck. I actually love that character and I just feel like he has the capacity to whoop some serious ass like if he really wanted to. <laughs> so that that's my pick. Also, I just feel like it would be super humiliating to get just completely beat down by a toddler. I think that'd be fun. I mean, they they do they do have stuff like that in the game anyway. I think. I mean, Ness and Ness and Lucas are like children. That is like true. 10. That is true. And the, like Bowser Junior. and all the Koopalings, you don't know how old they are. Well, they're they're also apparently not you know bowser's legitimate children according to the retconning of nintendo which i do not accept by the way if i had to choose okay so if it was a video game thing it was in the realm of video games it'd be the daytona usa hornet from fighters megamix wow okay that's the that's that's the fighting car where you fight as a car (laughs) okay (laughs) so yeah you you have to check this out shane You, you have no idea what i'm talking about i can tell i do not at all okay so Daytona USA, like the, the game Daytona USA, the yes. car that you drive, uh, one of the cars that you select is the Hornet. That's the name of the car. Right. So when Sega came out with Fighters Megamix, one of the unlockable characters. So Fighters Megamix is a mix between Virtua Fighter and Fighting Vipers, two of their th- two 3D games. And the car from Daytona USA, the Hornet, is an unlockable fighter. Like does it become like a transformer or do you literally just fight as a car? You fight as a car. Oh, okay. That makes sense. What happens is, is that the rear wheels drop down and like, you don't have actual legs, but if you like make a straight line from the axle to the ground, that is, it's its legs. And then it's front wheels are its arms. So punches and kicks are executed with, uh, the, the forward and rear wheels. <laughs> okay. I mean, apparently it's already a fighting game character, so it seems like a sensible transition. And it's in Sega. So you know what? Nintendo, make it happen. Make Hornet from Daytona USA a selectable fighter into Smash. It's burning its engines into your hearts. There you go. And you can make that little flash thing there. Hashtag Hornet for Smash. Free Hornet. (laughs) Okay. So this one's from Lyle. Thank you, Lyle. Uh, first or second patron saint. I don't remember which one. It's between you and Ashen. But uh, here we go. So we have established that Shane 
is the dick dragon. True. But exactly what kind of dragon? Asian? European? D&D? Chromatic? Metallic? Phallic? What kind? Well, I feel like that that last one is already a foregone conclusion, but... Um, Shane, what do you think it is? Yeah, so I think if we're talking about D&D dragons, I would have to go with Silver Dragon, since uh, their whole like shtick is they just really like human and elf culture, and so they will often spend a lot of their time like transformed into the 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 shape of a human or an elf mostly solely for the purpose of indulging in like huge feasts like they just are super into human and elf food and i feel like that speaks to me on a spiritual level so i I would go with silver dragon i would uh i would go with uh ass dragon he is the dragon ass oh yeah he is the dick dragon dragon ass A, a, a dog dragon the, the, the dick dragon dick dragon doggo dick dragon doggo that's right dragon ass <laughs> just right across your living room carpet <laughs> uh, no it's a dragon ass yeah oh, is that okay. it's that it's that new disease from from the far east <laughs> i wake up with it i have dragon ass every monday <laughs> It's because I eat the spicy wings. Follow us for other dad humor jokes. Uh, all right. So um, probably get us canceled on Twitter for that one. I mean, what doesn't really? Yeah. If we're not making fun of any communities, at least not. I don't know. Maybe we are We've offended the, the dragon ass community. <sighs> yeah. Um, so oh, we're well. getting close to the end of the list, uh, but yeah. we've got another one. Uh, the last one from uh, the illustrious crab cake. And he asks, which video game should have never been made? This is somewhat similar to a previous question, but we'll, we'll allow it. I'm see one's a series and I can take the Sims as itself as a game. So that that game should have existed. I came really close to saying Lunar Dragon Song. But no one knows what that game is. So so thankfully, that game has been pretty much erased itself due to just its total obscurity, because what that game did the Lunar series is an absolute travesty. And I'm glad no one remembers it. Uh, So what game should never have been made? So the game has to be popular um, and has to still be relevant in some way. So Final Fantasy X, too. Um, that (laughs) That game sucks. It's it's a bad game. And because they did that, Final Fantasy 13 got two sequels and they have continued to just milk Final Fantasy Square Enix. That is for all of eternity, uh, because that could have Final Fantasy 10 2 was his own IP. I think it would be a lot more digestible, but they made it this super bubbly. I don't know, I I guess it was supposed to appeal to a female audience and maybe it did. Maybe that's why I don't like it, but I've heard plenty of females that hate that game. I've heard plenty of women that hate that game. They don't like it. So apparently I'm not alone. It's just, it's, it's, there's something wrong with it. There's no reason for it to exist. Also honorable mention to the last of us and the last of us Two. Those games should have never existed either. Fuck them. But I'm going to final fantasy 10 is my official answer. Okay. Okay. 
So I had a couple potential answers for this. I feel like I should just get my honorable mentions out of the way. Let's see. Uh, Dead Space 3 can go fuck itself. Also, pretty much any Silent Hill game after The Room. I know the popular answer would be to say after Silent Hill 3, but I actually didn't mind The Room. So after it was two. also the last one by the original Team Silent for what it's worth. But my real answer to this is going to be Dota 2. <laughs> oh, okay. It is essentially responsible for the entire MOBA genre, which in turn is responsible for the death of the RTS uh, as a game as we knew them and the eventual shoehorning of a lot of MOBA style mechanics into other games where it doesn't fucking belong. So also in case you didn't catch it, I really don't like MOBAs. So uh, Dota 2. Yeah. Never, never should have been a thing. Would you just get rid of the Dota series? I mean, it's not really a series. It's just fucking two of them. But I mean, that's a series. <laughs> sure. Why not? The Dota collection. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody cares about the original Dota. That's it's gone now. I mean, those are the mod anyway. So was Dota 2. But, you know. And right before we hit the airwaves, right before we came on, we received another question. We did. And this one is from uh, the lovely and intelligent and in, and brilliant Bree Wilson. I'm sure. I mean, Shane, I, I'm pretty sure you have to agree with me on that one. I, I believe I am actually legally obligated to. Yes, I, I think that's literally true. <laughs> uh, so here is here is the question from Miss Bree Wilson. So. What is the better character, Mario or Link? Mario. Uh, man, I, I actually don't really know. Like my, my knee jerk response is to say link, but mostly that's just because I feel like the popular answer is just going to be Mario without any like reasoning as to why other than his just sheer popularity. But if you really like start thinking about it more. I mean, I just feel like Mario's done a lot more with his life, right? Like, I mean, we could talk about how his incessant simping for like the same princess for like decades probably is not doing him any favors. But that aside, I mean, he is quite the Renaissance man. I mean, he's absolutely he's been a he's been a tennis star. He's been a go karting aficionado. I mean, he's a pro golfer. Man, I don't even know. He's fuck. He's an artist. He's he's paint. He can paint like he can pretty much do it all. And uh, I mean, what is what is Link got going for him? Really? I mean, he he can train you with he, some crossbows. He can cook. He, he, he can cook. Yes, he can destroy his weapons by throwing a few things together in a pot and letting them bounce around for a little while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just I, I feel like I feel like Mario is just the more like versatile character. Uh, I would 100% agree. Mario actually has spoken lines. And you know what? Chris Pratt isn't going to be Link anytime soon. So obviously they're going to they're going to get Vin Diesel to play Link. So you can just be like, yeah, yeah, family. Uh, so, I mean, like in all seriousness, yes. I mean, yeah, as serious as this, this can be anyway, for exactly the same reasons that Shane said it's he, he started as a humble carpenter. And then he became a bad guy to to save you from your sins and uh, kidnapped Donkey Kong. And then you had then he became a zookeeper 
And then he became really good at laying the pipe and became a plumber. And uh, you know what? Like, and that was all within the span of four years, four years. That's 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 the beginning of his career. Then you're right, Shane. He became a, a professional go-kart driver, uh, something Link didn't, you know, achieve until almost 30 years, like 20 years after that. Yeah, that's uh, more than 20 years. It took a really long time before Link could jump into a car like he, oh, he always had that stupid fucking horse. Now, to be true, I've never seen Mario riding a horse. He rides a dinosaur. So which I feel look, like is objectively cooler, though. Eh, yeah, it is. And that that he punches the dinosaur in the head when he wants to get off it. He just doesn't say, hey, please stop, horsey. <laughs> Mario is a boss and he will sacrifice his dinosaur to get a one up. Link won't do that. Link doesn't have that moment from um, was it the never ending story? <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't drag a drag a pona in, you know, a a mud pit or a quicksand. And just scream his names. Pona! You don't see that. You don't see that from Link. Link doesn't know sacrifice. Mario embraces sacrifice. He sacrifices Yoshi. Mario is a boss. It's Mario. All right. There you have it. And uh, I think we've officially reached the end of our list of questions submitted by fine listeners just like you. And so, again, I would just like to say thank you to everybody who has made this possible reaching the episode 100, even though technically, I believe if you look at our catalog, this is something like, I think, 102 or something like that. Because we've had some extra episodes in there. We had a uh, a two-parter, and then we had a bonus right. episode that we threw in. So I believe this makes us 102. But, you know, from, from a completely arbitrary numbering standpoint, this is episode 100. And so, therefore, it is very important. Yes. Uh, and once again, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. For however long that you've been listening, whether this is your 100th or your first episode, we appreciate you for uh, being along for the ride. And as we've said before, as, as if you've been on our Twitch stream and or if you've heard us on other shows or even in the past, like um, it just reminds me when we started this thing back up again less than three years ago, when uh guest on the show, Ryan Trainer from Bonsai Chat reached out to us and said, hey, I love your show. That was probably the most exciting moment. I don't want to say in my life, like not hyperbole, like I have a family, <laughs> but uh, it's like I had children, but this, this is it. Yeah. But that was an extremely exciting and fulfilling moment to know that just one person out there was listening to our show because, you know, we were doing this for fun and we didn't know if anyone was listening. It just became something we were doing. But now that we know that there are people out there listening to this and enjoying this and supporting us, getting to episode 100 is uh, is quite the goal that we are more than happy to get to for you guys. Uh, it, it used to be a show we were doing it for ourselves, but now this we're in a position that we know we have you as an audience and you're getting something out of it. So that sense of providing something that someone enjoys provides a great sense of fulfillment to me. And thank you. Thank you very much. And I, I'm sure Shane feels the same way. I know I said me, I meant us, but it, it does feel that way for me. And uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. No, absolutely not. The only thing I'm concerned with is hitting 100 episodes is where we can start getting considered for syndication. So, you know, our email yes. inbox is open. 
<laughs> we'll put it on like we'll just like put it in the middle of a Joe Rogan podcast because I don't know if anyone listens to those things beyond an hour and a half anyway. Yeah, there you go. We can just slip in undetected. Yep. Yeah, there's on. Wow, he's he sounds a hell of a lot less stoned and more drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing a good shit. Oh, <laughs> all right. So I guess it's time to break this down, Shane, and and bring an end to the 100th official episode. I guess that is true. So if uh, this is your first time joining us, then uh, hello. You've come in at a most auspicious time. You have like 99 some odd other episodes you can go and check out. There's just there's so much content there for you. Um, but we're glad to have you here. And if you're a longtime listener, then, of course, we are super grateful that you have been sticking around and listening to our dumbasses this uh, this far into things. So if you would like to engage with the show beyond simply listening, we give you a few ways that you can do that. And all of those can be found by heading over to our link tree. So you can go to linktree slash retro hangover. That is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash retro hangover. And you can find our social medias. You can find our Twitch, our YouTube, uh, the Patreon, the merch store. If you would like to support the show in that sort of fashion, as well as, I don't know, probably a couple other things. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. You should go look at it. It's it's pretty neat. And uh, I guess speaking of that, Chris, would you like to touch on our stream Sundays? Yes, you could find this link in our link tree. But just in case you don't want to go there, if you go to twitch.tv slash retro hangover, as long as someone hasn't stole it due to the leak that just happened, we will be streaming every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. For your pleasure, just go ahead, show up there. We'll be playing something. Shane will be speaking in his very sultry and hunky voice for your entertainment and moistening. Mm. So go ahead, show up there, 9 p.m. Eastern time at twitch.tv slash retro hangover, and we will be there for your entertainment. You know, on that point, real quick, somebody today told me that listening to my, like, a voice they said it they felt like they were listening to the announcer on a disney ride which i i feel like is a compliment i'm gonna take it as a compliment but <laughs> it's totally caught me off guard if their name was steve that was probably a compliment <laughs> uh well i suppose with all of that being said for the 100th time until next time Play with your taints are better than shit joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you or jump in headfirst with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.